on this series on friends, and I want to call this What a Godly Friend Looks Like. What a Godly Friend Looks Like. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 17, 17. And I am going to ask you to stand one more time. Say, boy, they stand a lot in that church. You're going to be in shape. <laughs> These are calisthenics. But we're going to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read two verses, Proverbs 17, 17, and 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Um, I'm going to read it to you, but you can, you can read along. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. And is born, as is a brother, to stand by you in adversity. That's what a godly friend will do. Stand by you in adversity. Now, 1 Corinthians uh, 15.33 tells us about bad friends. Do not be deceived and misled. He says to believers, Evil companionships corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Now, I want you to listen to the power of a bad friendship. Bad friendships corrupt and deprave good manners, morals, and character. So a wrong kind of friend is a shipwreck. A wrong kind of friend is your shipwreck. Now, having close friends can be a wonderful blessing if they're good friends, but the wrong friends can be a curse for the righteous. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for giving this church wisdom about friendships companions, who we run with, who we hang around with, who we open our hearts to, who we divulge our inner self to, who we spend time with, who we converse with at length. Lord, I pray for wisdom so that the year of 06 will be a year of great spiritual victory and effectiveness and not one where we were derailed and sidetracked by a wrong friendship or a wrong crowd. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, grab your toes. This is going to be good today. <laughs> now I want to repeat a couple of things from last week. The Bible says a friend loves at all times, but the Bible says we can also, we as believers can be deceived and we can be misled when it comes to who we're running around with. We can be deceived. Now remember this statement. When God wants to bless you, He sends a person into your life. Every time. Think about the times God has blessed you. The times He has spoken to you. The times that something powerful in God has happened to you. Think about it. And you can hearken back, no doubt, to a person or people who are instrumental, who are instruments of God in that blessing. Because when God wants to bless you, He sends a person into your life. But the enemy is nothing but a copycat of God. So the truth is also a fact that when Satan wants to destroy you, he sends a person into your life. And believe me, Satan can send a person into your life. It can be a negative connection. Not every connection is a godly connection. I find it amazing that Pilate and Herod became fast and close friends as they mutually devised the plan to crucify Jesus. 
It says they became fast friends from that day forward, overseeing the blackest deed in the history of the world. So we can say that not every friendship is made in heaven. Some are made in hell. Where you are morally and spiritually at this time next year is going to depend on two simple things. The strength of your devotional life and who your friends were. It's that simple. Tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you a lot about your future. We must choose friends very, very carefully, very wisely. Because your friends will take you down or they'll bring you up. They'll sharpen you or they'll dull you. They will enhance your walk with God or tear it apart. In life, there are leavers, fair weather friends, fair weather friends. There's leavers and there's cleavers, faithful friends. And there's deceivers, false friends. They're all out there. And at first, they all appear to be friends. But only one of the three turn out to be friends that you want to have anything to do with. So how do, you, how do you know what a godly friend looks like? How do you know what a godly friend looks like? How do I know, as I'm beginning to get to know somebody, that they are somebody I need to bring into the inner circle of my soul, into my inner sanctum, into my, into my secret life, into who I really am? How do I know what a godly friend looks like? What kind of friends should we choose? You know, Paul, at the end of Colossians 4, he lists seven people who were friends of his, and he tells us a little something about every one of them, characteristics of what made them godly friends. So I want to quickly skip across these seven people and show you what kind of friends we should choose based on the friends Paul chose. First of all, Paul talks about Tychicus. Everybody say, thank God, Mama didn't name me Tychicus. <laughs> they needed a godly friend, didn't they? All right. Tychicus. He talks about Tychicus in Colossians 4, verse 7. Now I want you to listen what it says about Tychicus. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant, servant in the Lord. Now here's what I see with Tychicus. He shows us that we should choose friends who serve God. We should choose friends that serve, not that expect to be served, not who we want to serve us, but friends, listen everybody, friends that will serve God with you. You should never have a friend in your life, not a real close friend. You should not have one that cannot serve God with you, that can't rejoice over the things of God with you. You should never have a friend who you can't say to, hey, let's go out and feed the homeless in the name of the Lord. Let's go down and minister in a jail in the name of the Lord. Let's go to a, let's go to a Bible study for the evening and learn about the Lord. If you've got a friend in your life who can't serve God with you, you need to look at that. Because you won't pull a friend up who doesn't walk with God. They will pull you down. So if you start to get a friend, if you can tell that you're getting close to somebody who does not love the Lord like you do, who does not really have a life that serves God, they may be a wonderful person. They may have all kinds of good qualities. But if they don't serve God, if they don't walk with the Lord, if you can't take them with you in the way that you serve God, 
into activities that have to do with serving God. Take a look at that real closely. Because eventually their attitude will become your attitude, their God will become your God, their ways will become your ways, and you will find your spiritual edge dulled by a good friend who can't serve God with you. Every time Tychicus is mentioned, it has to do with him being sent somewhere by Paul with a message. He was Paul's Western Union man. Tychicus became a part of Paul's success, serving without pride and serving without competition. Anything Paul needed done in the ministry, Tychicus could amen it and get involved with him in serving God. If you're with somebody, hanging around with somebody that can't serve God with you, they're going to drag your spirit down. They're going to be a drag on you. They're going to be a drag on you. You may not see it at first, but eventually you will. You'll say, let's go over here because there's a great Bible study over there or there is a special seminar over here and it has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and you can tell there is a resistance in them and they don't go. Well, let's do something else. Let's go somewhere else. I don't feel like that. And after a while, they begin to affect God's ministry in your life. That's a friend that needs to be a casual friend or an acquaintance, but not a close one and certainly not a best one. Now the next thing I see in Paul's list is a guy named Onesimus. And Onesimus shows us we should choose friends that humble themselves. Say, who's Onesimus? Well, if you read that little tiny book in the New Testament called Philemon, you read about Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave. Philemon owned him. And Onesimus got an attitude, got out from under Philemon and ran away from him and hid from him. Now Philemon was saved and Onesimus was saved. But Onesimus got out from under Philemon, fled, and one day there was a divine encounter in Rome. Onesimus was just walking through the streets, and all of a sudden he came face to face with the man, Paul. Onesimus, hey, fancy meeting you here. What's up? He already knew from Philemon that Onesimus was a runaway. And he said to him, Onesimus, listen to me. If he hadn't treated you right, I'm asking you to humble yourself and go back to Philemon and humble yourself and ask his forgiveness and make the relationship right. This was not Paul putting his stamp of approval on slavery. Don't even think that because he didn't. He was just dealing with the dynamics of relationship the way they were, in the context they were in. So he said, so he said Onesimus, you go and you make it right with Philemon. And Onesimus humbled himself humbled himself to get his life right with God and went to Philemon and asked forgiveness and was reunited with Philemon and Paul writes about Onesimus and calls him faithful and a beloved brother who is one of you. He's one of you. I'll tell you something folks, there's a lot to be said about somebody who will humble themselves to make their life right with God. Sometimes you got to take the low road. Sometimes, sometimes you got to shovel dust. Sometimes you got to suck carpet. Sometimes you got to get low in order, in order to, be, to be raised back up again. There are times you got to humble yourself. Mark the person who will humble themselves and do whatever it takes to get their life right with God. That's the person you want as your friend. Because if you've got somebody who will resist God from pride, 
who will not do what God is requiring of them to get their lives right. You don't want to hang around with that because that's going to rub off on you. An obstinate, rebellious attitude towards God is contagious. So Paul said, here's one of my friends, Onesimus. Oh, I love that man. I encountered him in Rome. I told him to make it right with Philemon. And he humbled himself and he did it. And then there's another friend, Aristarchus. I'm so glad he had these people as friends with names like Aristarchus, Tychicus. Every time I say Tychicus, it makes me want to itch. <laughs> Choose friends that stay through tough times. Aristarchus was a friend that stayed through tough times. I'm going to say that again because here is where the men are separated from the boys. The real are separated from the phony. When you read about Aristarchus, he was always with Paul in his tough times. He did not walk out when everybody else walked out. When everybody else walked out, he walked in. When everybody else turned away, he turned towards you. He was a friend that stuck closer than a brother. Aristarchus was real. A group of friends went deer hunting and paired off in twos for the day. That night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering under an eight-point buck. Where's Harry, he was asked. Oh, Harry had a stroke of some kind. He's a couple of miles back up the trail. You left Harry laying there and carried the deer back? Well, said the hunter, I figured no one was going to steal Harry. Have you ever felt like Harry, like somebody put things way less valuable than you ahead of you? We don't need friends like that. We call them fair-weather friends. The world is full, full of fair-weather friends. They're there for the party. They're when the sun is shining. They're there when success has kissed you. But when the clouds roll in and the lightning flashes and the thunder rolls and the earthquakes come, Fair-weather friends go foul. The Bible says, for instance, wealth makes many friends. Have you ever noticed that? You can have the biggest jerk in the world make a bunch of money, and he's got 100 friends. Have you ever noticed that? And I don't know how they do this, because they know so many of the people that are around them are there because they've got money. So many of the people that have attached themselves to them are there with an ulterior motive, but they're somehow willing to, to live with that. The Bible says, conversely, all the brothers, all the brothers of the poor hate him. All the brothers of the poor man hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words. Where are you going? Hey, what's wrong? Why are you leaving me like this? I thought we were friends. And you know what the writer of Proverbs says? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. And if they were honest, here's what they would say. Well, we hung around when you had money. We hung around when you could do things for us. We hung around when you could open doors for us. We hung around when you could make our life a little bit sweeter. But now that you're poor, now that you have nothing to offer, I really didn't like you for you. It wasn't you that I liked, it was yours. How many have ever had a fair-weather friend? It's quiet in here today. It must be the barometric pressure from the rain. <laughs> Not so with Aristarchus. Watch this. Trouble followed Paul everywhere that he went. The man was trouble on two feet. Everywhere Paul went, 
There was trouble. And Aristarchus was always there. Sticking like glue, he got dragged through the city by an angry mob with Paul. He was there when the people of the city plotted to take Paul's life. He was there when a major storm caused Paul and all those with him to be involved in a shipwreck. And here, Paul refers to him as a fellow prisoner. Aristarchus' attitude was, Paul, you're my friend. I'm committed to you. I'm loyal to you. And even if you go to prison, brother, I'm going with you. If they take you down, I'm going down with you. If they beat you, I'll get beat with you. I am your friend. I'm not a fair-weather friend. I'm a real friend. I'm a loyal friend. I'm there, Paul. How many times do you find somebody like that? One out of a thousand, one out of ten thousand, one out of fifty thousand. They are rare because all seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. So if God gives you a friend who sticks closer than a brother, mark, mark who stays with you, mark who loves you, mark who doesn't walk away when you are down when the money is gone, when the success is over for a while. Mark who stays with you then and remember who doesn't. Say, Pastor Jeff, do you mean be bitter? I don't mean be bitter, I mean be smart. When you're down and all the fair weathers have gone and you start coming back up and here they come again, oh, we prayed for you. We were really burdened for you. Were you really? Appreciate all those calls. Appreciated the cards in the mail. Appreciated all that, all those goodwill vibes. I could feel them. Well, you know, I wanted to write, but you know, I just, just didn't know what to do. Well, let me tell you something. A real friend will know what to do. A real friend, when you're down, when your spouse has walked out, when you've lost your high-paying job, when your house has been repossessed, when you are not rolling in success like you used to, a real friend will call you up and say, let's go get a cup of coffee and talk about it. Amen, Pastor Jeff. Good preaching. I'm getting this tape. It's funny, when you lose everything, what you realize you really didn't have. And it's good for you, because then you know what you really did have. You're not under a delusion anymore. So how many of you had a fair-weather friend go foul and fly away? Come on. You know what you do? You bless them. Just bless them. God bless you. And when you see them in the street, God bless you. When you see them downtown, God bless you. Shake their hand and just move on down the road because you're going to come back. And when you come back, you're going to remember who didn't stick with you. You saw them for who they really were, and that's good. Amen. Now, Paul had another friend. His name was Justice. And we see from Justice we should choose friends that comfort. He's in verse 11. Choose friends that comfort. It says, Jesus, who is called Justice, proved to be a comfort to me. Now, Paul had a burden. His burden was for the salvation of other people. Paul wanted to see other people saved. That was his burden. 
And it was through the concern and work shown by justice towards bringing people to Jesus that brought comfort to Paul's heart. He knew he was not alone in the work, and he knew that when he died, the work would continue on because justice came right up next to him. Let me tell you what a real friend will do. The Greek word for Holy Spirit is parakletos. And here's what it means. One who comes or who is called alongside. The Holy Ghost is called alongside. He's called to stand by your side. And a real friend will be just like the Holy Ghost. They're called to stand alongside. They don't care if you're up. They don't care if you're down. They don't care if you got your makeup on or if you don't. They don't care if you're handsome, pretty, or ugly, fat, skinny. They don't care. A friend is a friend indeed. And they're called alongside. And they won't leave that position because that's their calling. And that's what he's saying about justice. He says, here's justice. He knew my burden. He knew I wanted to see souls saved. Paul wrote once, he said, everybody in Asia has forsaken me. Timothy only has stood with me. He's the only one who's like me. Demas forsook me. So many have forsaken me. When I stood to take a stand for Jesus Christ before Caesar, he said, nobody stood with me. Nobody. But here he says, justice, justice had a burden for souls just like me. And he comforted me. He was a comfort to me. A godly friend shares your vision, grows, or rather grabs the plow with you, and comforts you by saying, we're in this together. That's what a godly friend does. A godly friend will minister the Word of God to you in times of frustration. A godly friend isn't just standing next to you. He's standing with you. And a godly friend will comfort you, minister scriptures to you, pray for you. And I'm jumping ahead of myself there. But a godly friend will be just like the Holy Ghost, called to stand alongside and called to comfort. Paul had another friend, Epaphras. I think that's the way you say it. Epaphras. Choose. He teaches us to choose friends that pray. Friends, folks, beloved, if you need anything, you need a godly friend who will storm heaven's gates for you. Epaphras. Listen to what he said about Epaphras. He said, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, is always laboring fervently for you in prayer. You know, we're in a warfare. The enemy is out to take Christians down. The enemy wants to destroy your life. He wants to derail you from the purposes of God. He doesn't want you pursuing God's will for your life. He will do anything to knock you out of the saddle. He wants to destroy your marriage if you're married. He wants to destroy you as a single if you're single. He wants to wreak havoc on your life. And we need to be praying for one another. We don't need people who, who will just sympathize. You know, I feel so sorry. I'm so glad your money has fallen through or you lost your house or, or your, your marriage is on the rocks. I'm so sorry. No, you want somebody who knows how to get on their knees and storm the gates of heaven, name your name before the Lord Jesus Christ, sweat in the place of prayer, cry in the place of prayer, cry out in the place of prayer until a breakthrough comes through on your life. We need people praying for us. We need friends who will take our affliction like their affliction, our pain like their pain, our tears like their tears, and will lift us up to the throne of grace until we get a breakthrough. We need friends.
We need friends who will realize that the spiritual battle and not just flesh and blood. We need friends who will not condemn us, who will not judge us, who won't look down on us, but who will lift us up in the place of prayer, will cry out to God until we're standing again. That's the ministry of Jesus Christ. And he was called the friend of sinners. And it says the ministry of Jesus Christ is to constantly evermore pray for you and me. If you want to know what he's doing right now, Jesus Christ is facing the Father in heaven and he is praying for the church. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so if that's what he's doing, if that's his ministry, if that's his call, where does that leave us Christians, little Christ, walking around. We ought to have the same ministry. We ought to be praying for one another until God sends an angel. God sends a breakthrough. God sends the money. God sends a job. God sends a healing. God sends a restoration. That's what we need. Choose friends that pray. Boy, if you've got one praying friend, you're rich. If you've ever had a praying friend, you know what I'm talking about. If you've got a praying friend, pray that they don't die. Because one praying friend is better than a hundred who can say, tough break. The Bible says we're to share each other's troubles and problems. And so obey our Lord's commandments. The Bible says admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But instead, when we're down, we shoot our own. I uh, read a story just recently. A soldier that had been in Iraq and he got wounded. He was brought back to the States and they gave him an award for being wounded in battle. Then I read another story. Shared this on James Robinson. This worth sharing again. A group of mentally challenged children. They had Down syndrome, which puts you at an IQ range around 80 or lower. You're crippled the rest of your life unless God heals you. But they had a Special Olympics, these kids. And so here they are all lined up. And they're going to run. And off yonder is the tape. And they see it. The gun goes off. There they go. And as they're running, one of them poof, stumbles and falls. And right there in front of the whole crowd and international television just starts crying. Well, I see one of them. And he turns around and sees his friend. And it troubles him. He tries to focus on that tape, but back here is his friend. So finally he just stops, turns around and walks back. And the rest of them see him do this, and they're trying to focus on the tape, and they can't anymore. So they stop, and all of them end up walking back to their friend. And they pick him up. And then they all join hands and walk to the tape together. (laughs) 
And I go, that's the way the church is supposed to be. Do you have to be mentally challenged to do what Jesus said? We're supposed to support one another, uphold one another, lift one another up. And when was the last time you saw somebody given a ribbon who had stumbled and gotten shot in battle? Doesn't happen in the church, but it needs to. So that the enemy can't get in. Come on, everybody. Choose friends that pray. Choose friends that pray. Paul had a praying friend in Epaphras. Now, another one is Nymphus, and Nymphus teaches us to choose friends that are hospitable. Because it says that Nymphus in verse 15, it talks about the house or the church that was in Nymphus's house. So Nymphus had opened his house for the church. He was a first century care leader and host home. So, oh man, he did this whole message to make a pitch about care. No, I didn't, but I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of that one verse if I can. Do you notice here that Paul recognizes Nymphus as being hospitable, and he says that's like Jesus Christ. He opened up his house for a church. There were no buildings, great big buildings to meet in until the third century. In the first century, they all met in houses, and people like Nymphus opened up their heart and opened up their home and let the Christians in. Choose friends that open their heart and open their home to you. Godly friends open their home, and godly friends open their heart. It doesn't matter what time of day. When Kathy and I were going through what we were going through, we had friends who said to us, there was only a couple of them who said to us, anytime, day or night, you call. Well, that person found out quickly that I took advantage of that at 2 in the morning, and at 3 in the morning, I called. said, pray for me. And do you know that at one time, did he ever say, man, you woke me up. Man, why'd you call now? Can't you call in the morning? I'm sleeping. He would get up, couldn't understand him sometimes. Well, hang on just a second. Uh, 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 what time did you say it was? Uh, I said, I'm, I'm up and I need prayer. He'd say, hang on just a minute. I'd hear the, the water running. He'd splash his face and, okay, okay, uh, uh, prayer, prayer. All right, let's pray. And I'd get it out. Listen, it didn't matter to me if he was fully alert or not. It was a human with skin on him who listened to my hurt and my pain and they prayed with me. They were hospitable. They opened their heart and opened their home. I tell you, without real friends, Kathy and I would have gone down. We had friends. I'm preaching out of the crucible of experience here. And don't look at me so holy. You go through things too. Some of you have got marriages right now that are in big trouble. And if you don't call somebody who's a friend who will listen to you and pray with you, you're going down. We need to one another, one another. We need to one another, one another. And that means opening up our homes. Godly people are bridges and they're not islands. They will allow themselves to be inconvenienced in order to show the love of God to others. They are not isolationists. The Bible says a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all sound judgment. And finally, we find that Paul was a good friend. How do we find this? Because he talked to Archippus. I think that's his name, Archippus or Archippus. It doesn't really matter when your name is that. Hey, Ark. Hey, Chip. That's what he would have become to me. But we find that Paul was a good friend. How was he a good friend? 
Because he made you accountable to the truth. He made you accountable to the truth. Paul was a true friend to Archippus because here's what he said. He said, take heed, Archippus, to the ministry that you've received in the Lord, that you fulfill it. Apparently, Archippus had begun to grow cool and slack in fulfilling his ministry. So Paul, a true friend, speaking in love, called him, or <laughs> called him, wrote to him. He would have called him, bless God. <clears throat> and he'd have emailed him too. And he'd have instant messaged him too. Matter of fact, no telling what Paul would have done with instant messaging. Anyway, he said, listen to me, dear friend, take heed to the ministry. I care about you. And I know that if you don't fulfill your ministry, you're going to lose eternal rewards. And so Archippus, here, I'm telling you, exhorting you, fulfill your ministry in the Lord. He did the same thing with his son in the faith, Timothy, who was beginning to walk in fear and getting, getting lax in his zeal for God. He writes to Timothy and says, My son in the faith, Timothy, don't you remember when I laid hands on you? And when I laid hands on you, the gift of God came upon you. Don't you remember that? So I'm telling you, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Come on, boy. Get up. You can almost see Timothy reading it going, Oh, man. Truth spoken in love. I know he loves me, so I know he's not judging me. I have gotten lax. So he stirred up the fire of God that was in him and got on with it. And we know from church history he was martyred. So he didn't back down. He finished his course. And he did it because he had a friend who spoke the truth in love. Now let me tell you where wisdom comes in, everybody. If you've got a friend who really cares about your soul, there's going to be times they're going to say, hey, we need to talk. What do you want to talk about? I don't want to talk about the weather. What do you want to talk about? Well, there's this in your life, and it's really got me concerned. If you're not stupid, if you're not stuck on stupid, you'll say, I receive that. It stings, but it's true. If they miss it, just chalk it up as they loved me. They just missed it. But it, you know it's true the minute they say it. If it's true, say thank you, dear friend. Because it says the wounds of a friend are faithful. The wounds of a friend. If they wound you, a friend, they're there to put a band-aid on it. They don't just walk out like Job's counselors. They're there to see you through. So Paul was a friend. He made his friends accountable. So let's say it together. Godly friends will serve God with you. Serve God with you. Humble themselves. Stay in tough times. Comfort you. Pray for you. Show hospitality. And hold you accountable to the truth in love. A wicked friend won't care if you falter. They won't care if you do wrong. But a true friend will be grieved as if they themselves sinned. Thank God for what a godly friend looks like. Can we stand together? How many of you can say, Pastor, I got some friends that might need to 
go. You don't have to raise your hand. Boy, that was over. That was a lot. How many of you are thankful that you've got a godly friend? Isn't that a blessing? Aren't you glad you can call them and get prayer? That you know they're going to tell you the truth? Father, we thank you that where we are at this time next year depends on how close we stayed with you in our devotional time and who our friends were. Now, Lord, we ask you if we've got friends that need to go, help us to lovingly but firmly let it happen. If we've got people who are bringing us down into compromise, help us to make our concern for our friendship with you more important than them. And I pray that you will bless every member of this church with a godly friend. A godly friend. Now, with your heads bowed, I'm preaching. I'm preaching messages like this because I want the year of 2006 to be one of tremendous effectiveness in our spiritual lives, our walks with God, and our effect on this city. And so I'm preaching things that I know if we will obey them, because all they are is messages from Scripture, if we'll obey them, we can't help but get mightier spiritually. So I want you to say with me, can we just have a prayer here? Just Let's just pray this together about friends. Lord Jesus, today, bless me with godly friends. Protect me from ungodly friends. Help me to have the courage to stand alone if need be. Sharpen me spiritually by the people I surround myself with. In Jesus' mighty name. Now you take a minute. You talk to Jesus. I'm going to ask nobody moves. Steve, if you'll just play because I sense the Holy Spirit ministering right now. Some of you need to have a moment with the Holy Ghost before we go. Let's just do it. Thank you. The Holy Spirit's leading you to covenant, to have godly friends do it. If he's leading you to make a change, say, God, help me to do it. friend or a girlfriend dragging you down. I know it's difficult what I'm saying, but you can trust me on this one. That person dragging you down likely will be nowhere in on the radar screen of your life in just five years or less. It's not worth giving your walk with God up. They'll live and you'll live if you make a change. Young people at high school, be alone if you need to. Pray for godly friends. Don't just say goodbye to the wrong ones, but then aggressively 
learn to make right ones. And I'm going to preach on that next week. How to be a friend. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand, can we? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Praise the Lord. Now, Mildred, come up here, would you, Mildred? And I'm going to make a quick announcement with my little buddy here.